I hope that many of you can join us for community supper tonight, right after the service. Just meet in the back. We're trying to get to know the neighborhood a little bit better. And uh, you don't have to buy a whole meal. If you have a little bit of money, you can just get a little bit. We were going to have a conversation about faith and work tonight, but Elena was going to lead that, and her dear mother passed away today. And so she is with her. Think of her in your prayers. Um, uh, and of course, Ash Wednesday services, 7, 12, and 7, right here. Uh, and there will not be any, any child care. Well, one of the books that uh, people have mentioned a lot this week, uh, talking about Ukraine and all that's going on, it's got an interesting title. It's called The, uh, the Jungle Always Grows Back. And the author is a historian. I've not read the book. Uh, I don't really plan on reading the book. I'm sure it's interesting. But what struck me was that the title seems to represent a biblical principle about our fallen world, that the jungle always grows back. Uh, there are weeds and vines constantly working from within and without to undermine whatever good God is doing in the world. And you know, last fall we studied the kingdom of God and, and we, came up, we came to this idea of the, the tension in the kingdom of God between already and not yet. That the kingdom of God is broken in, but it's not yet fully here. And I, I think that's another way of saying the jungle always goes back. So what, what do you do in a world where the jungle always grows back? The kingdom of God has broken in, but the jungle grows back. How do you live faithfully in that world? Well, one way to respond is to do justice. And that is one of our church's values, as Sarah did such a great job describing. Here's the value statement that we came up with in 2006 and 7. We affirm that the God of Israel is righteous and just and is in the process even now of putting the world to rights. We affirm justice as a matter of healing, reconciliation, and wholeness. We affirm that Christ is reconciling all things to himself through the cross. We affirm the proclamation of the gospel as the means by which sinners hear and respond to the good news of God's reconciliation in Christ and respond in faith, therefore becoming members of God's covenant family. We affirm the critical importance of listening to our city, paying attention to her wounds and aspirations. We affirm the works of justice that emerge from this patient listening hospitality towards the stranger, care for the earth, service with the poor, and working for the transformation of the structures of our city so that our city might better reflect God's shalom. And the text that we are going to uh, just look at briefly tonight as we explore this value is Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah was a rural prophet, ministered in the middle of the 8th century BC in the southern kingdom of Judah. He lived uh, on a farm about 20 miles outside of Jerusalem, probably part of the peasant class. He would have visited the temple uh, in Jerusalem, but not been a part of its power 
structure, so he was not really an insider. And he ministered in a time of great anxiety uh, because in the north, this mighty army was amassing, it was called Assyria, and it was threatening to, to do invade. And in 721 it did, and it took over the entire north. Uh, it took over all of Israel, wiped out 10 tribes, never to return. And so the people in the south, the southern kingdom, were watching this great military power storm down upon them. And they were anxious. And they also had gotten into a place where, uh, my, according to Micah, they were focusing on the wrong things. They were very into kind of public shows of worship, but weren't really caring so much about the people, their neighbors. And so Micah offers one of the simplest expressions of biblical faith found in the Bible. And he starts with, he gives basically three things. This is, he says, this is what it's all about, three things. The first is do justice. But before that, he says, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. So this is not a new idea. And what Micah is calling upon here is all the teaching that God has given through the prophets over the whole course of Israel's life and doing justice is a big part of that teaching. Here are just a couple of the, the verses. Uh, we could look at many, many more. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Well, what did the Hebrew writers mean when they used the uh, word justice? Well, the Hebrew word is uh, mishpat. The noun form alone is used 422 times. Sometimes it refers to judging fairly. Psalm 9 is an example. The Lord has established his throne for justice and he judges the world with righteousness. And then other times, mishpat means restoring the world to the way God intended it to be. And that's an important piece of understanding biblical justice is that it's connected to this vision of shalom, uh, the Anchor Bible Dictionary, which you can find back there in our library. Mishpat refers to the restoration of a situation or environment which promoted shalom in a community. Nicholas Wolterstorff put it like this. He said, shalom is intertwined with justice. To dwell in shalom is to enjoy living before God, to enjoy living in one's physical surroundings, to enjoy living with one's fellows, to enjoy life with oneself. Shalom incorporates right, harmonious relationships with God, with other human beings, and with our physical surroundings. And shalom is wounded when justice is 
absent. And this is important to keep in mind that this isn't just a word, it's a vision. This is, God knows that the jungle always grows back. And so he calls his people to be about creating what Dr. King uh, referred to the beloved community, this, this, this way of being in the world that reflects shalom. And the vulnerable are very important in this vision. It's probably the most striking characteristic of biblical justice is caring for the, the weakest members of the community. Here's an example, Deuteronomy 27 Cursed be anyone who perverts justice due to the immigrant, the fatherless, and the widow. Well, the last little piece of this is let's talk for a minute about Mishpat and the Messiah. Jesus doesn't ignore the prophets. He says he comes to fulfill the law and the prophets. He sees himself as coming to fulfill the prophecies about the Messiah and the prophets often say the Messiah will come to bring justice. In fact, he begins his public ministry by reading one of those prophecies about the justice-bringing Messiah from Isaiah 61, and then says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he spends a lot of time doing justice, caring for the weaker members of the cities he visited in Israel, and he teaches his disciples to do the same. So, kind of a deep dive into the Hebrew word, mishpat, which is justice. The jungle grows back. There are powers at work in the world that do injustice, that try to take advantage of the vulnerable, that try to vandalize shalom. God sends us into the world to do justice, to work for shalom, to care especially for the weak and the vulnerable. Well, what practically might it look like to do justice? Well, Tim Keller, the retired pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, wrote a book called Generous Justice, and he suggests that there are three ways we can do justice. The first is relief. Direct aid to meet immediate physical, material, and economic needs. The second is development. This means giving an individual family or entire community what they need to move beyond dependency or relief into a condition of economic self-sufficiency. The third is reform. Reform work moves beyond the relief of immediate needs and dependency and seeks to change the conditions and social structures that aggravate or cause dependency. And if you'd like to go a little deeper into this, I'd recommend that book. I'd add a fourth. I think prayer is also a way to do justice. I think some of us have a, an intercessory calling on behalf of the city, and I would add that too, and I doubt if Dr. Keller would disagree. Well, as Sarah did such a beautiful job saying, um, we don't all pursue justice the same way. And she referred to shalom gaps. And let me remind you where that comes from. Um, we often at All Souls go back to a, uh, a scripture, Isaiah 65, verses 17 to 25, where God describes the mark of a city enjoying shalom. Um, and if, if you're interested in doing more on this, there's a little book on the website called Seek the Peace of the City uh, that has a chapter on this. The marks of a city enjoying shalom. 
joy, access to health care, access to housing, economic viability, equality and equity, spiritual vitality, reconciliation, safety, and unity. One of the things that we're trying to do as we move in is to better understand where the shalom gaps are. Uh, shalom gap is where there's a gap between what God desires and what our neighbors are experiencing. And we know we can't do everything. And so we just ask you to pray about what's the one shalom gap that God's calling you to uh, focus on. And to help us learn a little more about the Shalom Gaps in our neighborhood, we've started a little project called The Front Porch. Uh, Kelly Saskajus, Jake Buller-Young, and Lisa Scott are working on this for us. And the project began quietly last summer when a small team walked around the neighborhood and did research uh, to better understand the neighborhood's wounds and victories and dreams. And uh, that team's going to share an offering with us next Sunday about what they learned. And then there'll be a weekly section of the newsletter just called The Front Porch. And there'll just be a little bit in there each week about our neighborhood. And uh, maybe as you read that prayerfully, you'll start to find a shalom gap that you, that you care about. Well, we're nearly out of time, but I did want to look at the, the second and third command in Micah 6.8, particularly in terms of how they might inform how we do justice. So, what does the Lord require of you? Do justice, love, kindness. Uh, that's the Hebrew word hesed. means mercy or faithful love, steadfast love. Love, love. <laughs> I like that. Love, love. I was doing some study on this this week, and I was listening to a podcast where this very intelligent person was arguing with this very intelligent person about what real justice looked like and they were yelling at each other and going back and forth and throwing out quotes and I turned it off I just thought well the first thing I thought was well this is kind of snarky I'll say it forgive me but I thought these are two people living in New York City who have too many degrees and are on Twitter all the time and I doubt very much they've read to a third grader or fed a hungry person or asked the bartender why they have a skull on their neck. It's all theory. There's no love. I kind of fear that's what's happening with justice. Uh, maybe for some at least. Um, it's about theories and ideas. and We don't love. Now, theories and ideas are important. Maybe that's your shalom gap. Maybe you're a theorist and you need to write and teach on that. Go for it. But I think for most of us, it's, it's these little things. Just love. The final command, Sarah and I, I'm glad she mentioned this. Walk humbly with your God. And I like the message, quote, stop taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> when, you, when you think about it, it is incredibly arrogant for me to think that I know how to keep the jungle from growing back. 
incredibly arrogant. And I, I will end with this, but th- th- this is so comforting to me when I think about justice work. Um, you know, Sarah was joking about uh, the golden age of Christian music. I mean, she's wrong, of course. It was Larry Norman. Some of you remember <laughs> Randy Stonehill whose album, Turning 30, bummed me out because I couldn't imagine being that old. Mm. Well, at any rate, I I remember in those early days just being prophesied over and people saying, you're going to do just great things. You're going to save the nation. And I'm afraid in my early days, I prayed that over a number of people too. You're going to do great things. You're going to do great things, big things. This is the generation. You're the generation. And where I am now as I draw near the end of my career is increasingly being comfortable with the small things that you do that I do and not worrying so much anymore about being great my favorite novel is uh, it's called Middlemarch it's by a a woman named George Eliot was her pen name Um, And I couldn't find, I just thought of this earlier before, I couldn't find the quote, but the last line of this 800-page novel about this wonderful woman named Dorothea um, is essentially about the power of a hidden life in an unhistoric grave. Isn't that where most of us are going to end up? You don't need to be great. You just need to do justice, love, and not take yourself too seriously. I can do that. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh, Lord, what a rich night. The, the singing, the prayers, the testimony. Even Heath's jokes. God love him, Lord. Uh, (laughs) So much goodness here tonight. And it, gosh, Lord, to look at the paper. Sandy and I have been in Kiev. We've been in that part of the country four or five times. It just feels so heavy, Lord. We wonder what we can do. And I think you might say, do justice. Love. Don't take yourself too seriously. Would you take a little of this heaviness off of us, this Lent, Lord? Would you maybe even give us a little foretaste of it as we come to the table tonight? Maybe some of us will get some prayer. 
please restore our souls so that we could be we could be faithful in a world where the jungle always grows back. Renew us tonight, Lord, so that we can do justice and love and walk humbly. We ask this in your name. Amen.